Ryan Nobles is at the Capitol. Now, back to the Pete McMurray Show. So much news this week. The Israel-Hamas war continues. The government, Lisa, I know you're happy about, is not shutting down. And the summit in San Francisco, let's bring in Ryan Nobles. He is the NBC News Capitol Hill correspondent. You can also see him on MSNBC. Ryan, President Biden sat down with the Chinese president. They haven't spoken in a year. What did they discuss? Did Taiwan come up and did they make any progress? Yeah, I think the answer is yes, they did make progress. Uh, The question is how much progress. I think at the very least you'd have to describe it as incremental. But given how tensious the relationship has been between these two countries and in particular these two men, uh, even incremental progress is a good sign given how difficult everything is in the world right now. Uh, I I do think they talked about Taiwan in broad strokes, at least that's what the readout seemed to indicate. But the most important thing that I think was delivered from this summit was the fact that now there's somewhat of a diplomatic relationship again with the United States and China that didn't exist after the whole China spy balloon debacle and after the way China had kind of provoked the situation in the South China Sea. So the fact that they're talking is a good thing. And and maybe the biggest deliverable is that uh, President Xi said that they're going to send some pandas back to the United States, uh, which is, uh, uh, you know, it it seems like a simple thing, but, uh, you know, pandas are are a big diplomatic tool that China uses. And the fact that they're willing to send a couple of pandas to the San Diego Zoo, I mean, we're disappointed they're not coming to Washington, but... Uh, you know, I think that's a sign that they at least want to try and normalize these relationships because, and I think we often forget about this, the United States is China's biggest customer. And if uh, things continue to cool between the two countries and they cannot tap in to all the dollars that U.S. consumers send to China, that's a big problem for them long term. It's always so weird to me to think, I, I feel like so many people are just like, oh, China's the enemy, enemy, enemy. So it is weird to be like, oh, we have to have open communications with a country that so many people view as just bad. <laughs> well, it's more than just communication. I mean, we're, we're so codependent on China uh, mm-hmm. on so many levels. I mean, there, you know, I'm talking to you right now uh, on an iPhone that I'm pretty sure 90 percent of which uh, the, <laughs> was the, made the in China yep. originated <laughs> in China. You know, probably most of my clothes were, were uh, made in China. Uh, and then, you know, uh, conversely, the China is, uh, is, is very dependent on us uh, to, to buy those products. And, you know, I think what you've seen over the past you know, year or so is the United States attempting to try and distance itself a little bit from that relationship. You know, the, the, the CHIPS Act, which the Senate and the House passed last year, which is to incentivize the development, the research, and the production of semiconductors and, and, and hardware and tech software, uh, that is predominantly done in China and in Taiwan in particular, uh, really made China nervous uh, because they we've been so heavily reliant on them in those space, but we can't trust them when it comes to yeah. uh, their intelligence gathering and things along those lines. So uh, it, it, they're the two biggest forces in the world, China and, and the United States, are the two biggest economies. They have the two biggest military forces. The you know the fact that there is an adversarial relationship between those two countries is not good for the rest of the world. So the fact that they're able to try and, and forge some sort of working relationship, I think, is really important. The question is, you know, how does it work going forward? Right, right. Uh, two things that I uh, noticed. Number one, the meeting was there, of course, to lower the temperature 
when they first saw each other. That handshake, it's like old college buddies getting back together. Did you? Yeah. Of course you've seen the footage. I've seen it a hundred times on NBC yeah. News. But, but number two, here's my question for you. The meeting's over. President Xi leaves. Then President Biden says a few words and calls him a dictator yeah. as the car <laughs> is pulling away. I know he's a dictator. I know he's killed many innocent people. This meeting was for the greater good. Couldn't Biden just wait maybe 20 minutes (laughs) or a day before he called him a dictator? Well, the the first part of your question is they do have a long relationship. Uh, You know, Joe Biden and, and, and Xi Jinping have worked together for decades back when both were in lower levels of government, when uh, Joe Biden was a U.S. senator, and Xi Jinping was making his way up to the Communist uh, Chinese Party. So when they embraced and, and, and shook hands there, you're right in your assessment there that these were two people reconnecting uh, in a relationship that's gone on for a long time. And the, the second part of your point, um, you know, our Peter Alexander was in the room, and he described, uh, you know, seeing these uh, aides to the president and to Secretary Blinken uh, just you know, kind of gritting their teeth oh boy. as the president uh, described him as a dictator. But, I, you know, I, I have a yeah. hard time taking issue with the president's assessment of that because I don't know how you describe Xi Jinping as anything. But I do understand why right as you come out of that meeting where you feel like you've made progress uh, to try and, and make some sort of a comment like that, it certainly doesn't make the situation easier. Maybe way to beat. That's the advice <laughs> I would give the president. Well, China's economy is slowing down. Youth unemployment is up. That is happening while our inflation numbers came down for October. Is this a good sign for us? I, I do think that the biggest you know, thing that would avoid a, a serious national security emergency as it relates to China is the slowing of their economy. You know, there are certainly aspects of the Chinese government that probably fancy some sort of Chinese world domination on some level, but also understand that the free market and American capitalism is really is what has driven China's rise in many ways. So, yeah, I do think that our economy has held pretty steady throughout this entire time. You know, what's interesting about the American economy is that a lot of it has been based in the forecasting of doom, not the actual doom. For months, economists were predicting an, uh, that there was going to be a recession, and that recession now has never come. And to, for President Biden's perspective, it's probably got to be pretty frustrating when you've had low unemployment numbers, you've seen inflation steadily tick down. I mean, I think I paid less than three bucks a gallon for gas for the first time uh, in quite a while last Jeez, night. Good for uh, you. Yeah, these are all examples of, of, of an improving economy, but yet the American voter has yet to give the president credit for that. And I'm, I'm sure that the White House is hoping that that changes between now and next year. I don't think anyone has really noticed yet that things are starting to get easier. I think people are still pretty convinced, whether it's true or not, that things are just awful. Yeah, and, and that's the White House's fault, right? I'm not, this is to give a, an excuse for President Biden. You have to do more than just uh, you know institute the policies that uh, make this better. You've got to sell it. You've got to tell people. And, and part of the problem with the the White House and this administration is a lot of their most significant accomplishments are long term uh, deliverables. You know the yeah. the Infrastructure Act, for instance. Uh, that, you're talking about ten, twenty years worth of investment right. in the American economy that many Americans are not going to see the fruits of until well after his reelection takes place. So it's his job to get out on the road and say, "This is what we're doing for you. We're going to build this tunnel." that's going to make your commute a little bit easier. We're going to make sure this bridge doesn't fall into the river. 
to make sure uh, that you and your family are safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they haven't been able to do that right now, and a lot of it is because of all the conflicts around the world. It's just because of the divisiveness of American politics and the way that media is disseminated now. Uh, but regardless, uh, those aren't excuses. Uh, you know, it's not the it's not up to the voters. Uh, to do the job for him, he's got to he's got to convince them on his own. Ryan, marketing one hundred and one is tell people what you're going to do, do it, and then tell people what you just did. Yeah, brag about it. Right, exactly. Three yeah. things. Mm-hmm. That's all you yeah. have to do. We're talking to uh, Ryan Nobles from NBC News. The Senate passed the stopgap funding bill. The government's still in business. <laughs> Mike Johnson did it. I'm surprised. I really thought there was going to be more drama. I'm glad there's not. Were you surprised there was no drama? I'm not. And, and the biggest reason I'm not surprised is because they really haven't solved any of their problems. They've just kind of punted <laughs> them to uh, right. the, the can down the road. Running. Yeah. Yeah. It's a proverbial. To two separate dates. Two separate yeah, which is, things. Uh, which I didn't get understand. To go <laughs> I had to read it twice. So. Yeah. I don't really. It doesn't. It's really just a gimmick. I think more than anything, it's designed to demonstrate that he's doing things, doing business a little bit differently than they've done in the past. It's to kind of force the negotiations on the broader budget bills around these specific uh, areas uh, in a little bit quicker timeline. But here's the biggest problem that Mike Johnson faces right now. He, he's in a bit of a honeymoon period with particularly the conservative members in his caucus who have, have given him a bit of a runway here to try and, and negotiate this longer budget bill. Before they even get to that point, they don't even have agreement within his own party. Even Republicans haven't decided how much money they want to spend or where they want to spend it. So he's got to get the whole caucus on board before he then goes into a room with Chuck Schumer and representatives from the White House and says, okay, this is where we can find areas of agreement. And that's, that was Kevin McCarthy's problem, too. So Republicans have continued to put themselves at a distinct negotiating disadvantage because they can't even all get on the same page. And that really spells, I mean, I know we're all going to be able to eat our turkey dinner without having to worry about our Social Security checks coming through. But, man, the middle of January into the middle of February, uh, this is going to be a a real crisis, and it's going to come at a time where the presidential election is really ramping up. Yep. And, and as a result, uh, it's going to be that much more difficult to, to, to strike a grand bargain, uh, which uh, Speaker Johnson has got a huge, huge uh, task in front of him to do. How does all of this affect the funding that we want to give to Israel and Ukraine? Yeah. President Biden says, we support you. We want to give you all this money. Well, now... How does that all work with all of these yeah. different things going on? Well, it's a great question. They are two separate uh, funding streams. This was what's called a supplemental, so it's above and beyond the regular federal budget. When they come back from Thanksgiving recess, that's when they're going to really start to negotiate this package, which would include funding for Ukraine, funding for Israel, perhaps some funding for Taiwan, and then some sort of border security package that Republicans are insistent also uh, include some sort of policy change, mm-hmm. that is going to be a enormously heavy lift because each one of those separately are pretty sticky and complicated. And with each passing day, they get more sticky and complicated. I mean, the House has already passed an Israel funding bill, but they attached to it uh, some cuts to the IRS, which right. Democrats aren't in favor of. So the ball is now in the Senate's court. We'll see what they'll be able to deliver when they come back from Thanksgiving and whether or not they can get a package together before they go home for Christmas. Buddy, you're the best. We never have enough time with you. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you and your family. Yeah, same to you guys as well. Happy Thanksgiving. Always a pleasure to be on with you. One of the things I'm thankful for 
is being a part of your show. So thanks. Ah, oh, <laughs> Ryan, you're the best, man. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, guys, take it easy. Bye-bye. Ryan Nobles from NBC News, everybody. More of the Pete McMurray Show next.